0: Download the app and use code RTFP to book your one way ticket to fun with DraftKings Casino. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877 8 HOPE NY or text HOPE NY 467 467- in Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
1: It's the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Ha, <laughs>
0: It is, But it's not just any Ross Tucker football podcast. It is a finish strong Friday presented by those of you that go the extra mile that Brian and I appreciate so much. Those of you that are winners. I want winners. I want people that want to win. So do we Mike Singletary. So do we. How about the spread the word winner Doug McLaughlin. I think he retweeted one of our tweets at Ross Tucker pod. It wasn't even me. It was at Ross Tucker pod. I retweeted it at Ross Tucker NFL says he's a beer guy. Good enough for me, Doug. Let me know what you want. Send me an email. Ross at Ross all kinds of cards. And I got that awesome Buffalo bills picture. And then the sponsor confirmation email winner is Aaron Asbury who got some sax underwear, which is always a good idea, always a good time. Love me some sax underwear, as you guys know. You haven't heard them on the show for a while, you know, with the virus, a lot of these advertisers are cutting back, unfortunately, but we still love them, and we understand. Almost as much as we love Cosell's concepts with the GOAT, Greg Cosell. It's Big Show time. The Big Show. All right, Greg, so last week we focused on the different man-to-man coverages with cover zero, cover one, uh, two-man, et cetera. Now we're going to get into more of the zone-based coverages this week, and we'll start with cover two.
1: Yeah, cover two is, that became very, very prominent in the Tony Dungy era back with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Cover two is basically, again, you are playing with split safeties. Um, Now your corners in cover two, basically are what we call flat defenders. So in other words, if an outside receiver is going to run a vertical route, the corner would not run with him, you know, 15, 20, 25 yards down the field. They stay in the flat and they may drop and carry the receiver for 10 yards, 12 yards. It can be taught differently, but they do not run with wide receivers on vertical routes. Uh, And then you have your underneath defenders. Now, your underneath defenders are responsible for zone areas, but all these zone coverage and we'll get into more of them, but all these zone coverage has have evolved to the point where yes they're initially responsible for an area, but now they match up to receivers within that area. in other words, they don't just keep eyes on the quarterback they're much more aware of routes, so they can match up and not give easy throws for quarterbacks with receivers just going into an open zone spot. But what we've also seen with cover two, because of course there's two deep defenders, is it's a four-man rush, so you have to be able to rush the quarterback with four, and the part that was added to it back in in the Tony Dungy era and has continued is what we call Tampa two, where you're, you're... middle linebacker becomes what we call a middle hole defender and he will drop deep and and run the vertical seam uh the middle vertical seam because one weakness in cover two before teams started doing this was the open middle of the field because the two safeties were split and they are responsible for vertical routes by the outside receivers so the inside vertical seam became a weakness in cover two so to combat that defenses started having a middle defender, an underneath defender who would run vertically with any inside seam route.
0: And I, I, Just to add to that, Greg, t- correct me if I'm wrong, if you think I'm wrong on any of this, but um, weakness would be you're only rushing four, so you're really, and you pointed this out, you really have to have uh, some some pass rushers. You, you really have to have Simeon Rice and Warren Sapp and whatever, like the Bucs did. Um, yep. I think another strength is I almost looked at it when we were playing because there's a lot of guys playing Tampa 2, a lot of teams playing Tampa 2 when I was played. It's almost like a nine-man front because the corners are usually such good tacklers and they're such quick force guys on the edge that it's almost Correct. like they had a nine-man front against the run.
1: Well, the genesis of Tampa 2 was not as a pass defense – Bud Carson, who became a really well known uh, defensive coordinator in the NFL and one of the best, originated it when he was back in college. I believe it was his, at Georgia Tech, and it was designed as a run defense because you have nine defenders in the run game. It was designed as a run defense to play the option. Uh, so that's how Tampa 2 started, and it became a pass defense. But there are zone voids there are voids in every zone in tampa Two, as i mentioned one void can be the middle seam depending on that. What do you do with that middle hole defender? You, the, you have outside voids, what we call the hole shot, behind the corners and outside of the safeties. And those are difficult throws. Uh, they're timing throws, and normally a receiver would catch it at about 18 to 20 yards. Uh, but there are voids in every zone, and we'll get to more zones, but there are certainly voids in zones.
0: Yep, and that's the one. If you ever heard John Gruden call it the turkey hole or whatever, it's, right? It's, right, it's the whole shot, the
1: outside void.
0: Yep. All right, let's get to cover three, Greg. All
1: right, cover three is again. It's another zone coverage. What you have is you have three deep defenders, the two outside corners, and a single high safety, a post safety. They're each responsible for a deep third of the field. Okay, so. Because they're responsible, because the outside corners are responsible for a deep third, you have to have then two underneath outside defenders who are responsible for the short third or the flat. So you have two flat defenders on the outside, and then you have two zone defenders in the middle, what we call the hook-to-curl defenders. They're responsible for in-breaking routes uh, in, in cover three. So you have three deep defenders you have four underneath defenders and and of those four you have two are who are outside flat defenders and two who are inside hook to curl defenders and you have um uh actually you can have uh you can have uh, an extra defender underneath but because with cover three you can rush Five if you choose to and then it becomes kind of three under three deep that became very prevalent in the zone blitz era when it was started when dick lebeau started bringing uh, making the zone blitz more prevalent you can you can either go with four under three deep or you can go three under three deep and rush five if you choose to but if you don't choose to you'll rush four
0: um, strengths and weaknesses in your mind, Greg?
1: Well, what you try to do with zones like this is you you try to send more players into a zone than can be defended. You often hear the term two through a zone. Like against cover three, you're, you'll often see that you'll have you know, let's say a, a post-wheel combination. You try to attack an outside corner because now you make an underneath defender have to run with certain routes. You try to get more into a zone than the, there are a number of players in the zone uh, because there's only so many players in a given zone. That's the nature of zone. So you attack by trying to add numbers you know very often you'll see andy reads really really good at this you'll see them try to overload zones you know maybe send four routes to one side of a field that's very difficult to defend because there's not enough zone defenders so the basic premise without getting into the specific nature of route concepts but flood a three-level stretch very good route against cover three um you know dagger which is a, a Go and a dig combination, very good route against cover three as well. So you're trying to overload zone uh, zones with with people.
0: One strength of it, I would say, is it's an eight man front. Like because your one safety is in the box because he's an underneath defender right. a lot of times. So Correct. that's one of the strengths is you have an easy eight man front. Picture Cam Chancellor. Up there, almost as a linebacker, yeah. as opposed to but, um, you know having a guy, you know now, Earl Thomas in the middle one, of the field.
1: One of the weaknesses of Cover Three is seam routes, and therefore Cover Three has because, has matched up. There's there's now three match because think of it this way: if there's a two by two set, okay two receivers to each side, and you're going to play pure cover three with no man matchup element, if the two inside receivers run vertical routes, there's only one deep defender. So you've got two vertical inside routes and only one middle deep defender, one post safety. So that becomes a weakness. He can't play both. Okay, and you used to see that all the time. So now what teams do is something called three match. There's all kinds of different names for it. This is very much associated with Nick Saban, three match. So what happens is is the inside defenders, the inside underneath defenders will then match up man-to-man so they're running with the inside verticals because otherwise, like I said, you get two inside verticals against one deep safety, and that's a problem.
0: So, Greg, one of the major debates that, that has gone on for a long time is cover one corners versus cover three corners with the Wait. idea being cover one corners uh, have a tougher duty than cover three corners. And you see even on Twitter, you know, guys like Darrell Rivas and Richard Sherman will go at each other based on the nature of what they're asked to do. Um, What's your perspective on sort of cover one versus cover three corners?
1: Well, things have changed in the league, and it's great you brought that up, because what we've now seen in the league in cover three, and again, it's due to the influx of three-by-one sets, is even if you're – call is cover three okay what you're seeing is the corner who's playing to the short side of the field the boundary corner who's who's on the side of the field of the boundary receiver the single receiver the boundary X they lock man-to-man and there are different names for that I call it three boundary lock okay there's different names for that but so a lot of times even in zone in cover three and it's true in cover four as well okay is that the boundary corner will match up man to man, okay, and if you can do that defensively, then you 're allowing your safety your post safety to be much more of a factor to the trip side of the field, and it becomes uh, you know a different kind of coverage in in some respects because that post safety really cheats harder the trip side of the field. Yeah, there are certain routes that can attack that, and they're they're too visual to go into all the details, but you can attack that with vertical-type routes from the trip side of the field. But, you know, a lot of corners, even in cover three, are now having to match up man-to-man to the boundary because that's the way teams are playing.
0: Let's get to cover four, Greg.
1: Cover four is just four across. It's quarters have two corners, two safeties. It's a split safety coverage. The safeties do not play anywhere near as deep as they do in cover two. Uh, they're closer to the line of scrimmage because they have run responsibilities as well as pass coverage responsibilities, but it's four across the two safeties, the two corners, each are, each responsible for a corner, a quarter of the field, but there's far more matchup elements, pure matchup elements to cover four than there are to cover three.
0: So in simplistic terms, and this is overly simplistic, Greg, but cover three is usually three deep, four underneath, and cover four is four deep, three underneath. You're still rushing four, and so you've got more guys deep, and so there are bigger voids underneath.
1: Yes theoretically yes because there's fewer players it's a numbers game if you you, you don't have four underneath defenders you theory, you have three underneath depend, defenders depending on the nature of routes now, again, you can attack cover four because safeties become match-up players. So if you line up in a two-by-two set and a team is playing cover four, what happens very often is if your number two receiver, okay, not the outside receiver but the number two receiver, the slot receiver, if he runs a vertical route, he's going to be picked up man-to-man by a safety because he's basically running right at the safety. So what you see a lot of to attack cover four is you'll see, uh, two receivers to one side, the outside receiver will run vertical because he's going to eat up the outside corner. And then you'll have the slot receiver also run vertical because then you get a slot receiver on a safety and he's basically screaming at a safety. And as an offense, you really would like that to happen because you feel that a wide receiver is going to beat a safety who's not necessarily at his best matching up man to man on a, on a wide receiver. So that's one way teams can attack it, is you, and keep one other thing in mind. In true cover four, but teams get away from this now too because this is theoretically a weakness. In true cover four, corners are playing with what we call outside leverage. So they are playing on the outside of receiver. So if receiver on the outside runs a deep post route, the corner's outside of him. And if you attack the safety to the same side with some kind of vertical stem by your slot receiver, then that safety has to stay with that slot receiver. And there's no help over the top for the corner who's playing with outside leverage. So you can attack the post. Now, there's so many variables to all this. We, we And some of this is very visual, visual, Ross, as you know, we can't get into every variable, but that's that can be a problem in Cover Four.
0: Well, and that's also, Greg, why I wanted to focus on sort of the core base coverages because there's actually a lot more coverages. There's a lot. There's cloud. There's hybrids. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I I didn't want to try to confuse people. I wanted to focus on sort of the base coverages. But as you know, Greg, what really is interesting is you'll have teams play cover four to one side of the field, but man on the other half. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, if we really did every coverage, it would take a week.
1: Well, there's cover six, which is quarters to one side and cover two to the other side. So there's all kinds. Yeah. We can go on and on and there's variations of each and there's matchup elements to each that, you know, become specific to teams and specific to opponents that they're playing. So there's, there's many, many different coverage concepts now. It seems like they keep expanding.
0: It's. Uh, I hope people enjoyed this. Uh, you know, this gives you a base, at least, of knowing. Last week was three different man-to-man coverages, zero, one, and two man. And this week we went over the three primary zone coverages, two, three, and four. And as Greg just said, there's cover six. There's a lot of different variations off of all of these, but you know, the idea with Cosell's concepts is to give you guys just a base understanding of what's going on. And and hopefully we did that. uh, And we'll figure out what we want to do next week. Greg, great stuff as always. Really, really appreciate it.
1: Thanks Ross. Appreciate it.
0: Much like Mike Malarkey on Wednesday, Greg Cosell is a father. I don't think he's a grandfather yet. Although I do want to say, I think his daughter got married. So, Maybe that will be coming sooner rather than later. At any rate, Greg Cosell loves the newspaper. He loves reading newspapers, and so does your dad. So get him the front page cover story that he absolutely deserves. Being able to tell your dad that you had a story written about him, I mean, it takes 10 minutes to talk to the writer at myfrontpagestory.com, and then you get this framed cover story to give your dad, first of all, When you tell him you had a story written about him, he'll think that's the coolest thing he's ever heard. Secondly, when he actually sees it, it will just be the coolest, most unique gift he's ever gotten. Third, when he actually goes ahead and reads it and reads the quotes from you and or your siblings. Wow. I'm just telling you, it's incredibly powerful. I've seen it a bunch of times now because people send us videos of of when people open it. And it is awesome. MyFrontPageStory.com. But do it now because Father's Day is nine days away.
1: Takes.
0: Some league news to start today, Bry. The NFL and the NFLPA are reportedly discussing a shortened preseason as they want to have a, a longer ramp up period. Part of these discussions, I guess, have to do with the the players reporting early for training camp. And so as part of those discussions or negotiations, they're talking about having two less preseason games. I I don't really understand it, to be honest with you. I mean, the players that are going to play in those preseason games desperately want and need to play in those preseason games. The players that don't, aren't going to it's really that simple i i don't i don't see what value is gained by the shortened preseason i mean they're talking about well we need more time with the ramp up before we have a preseason game i got news for you the starters aren't playing in that first preseason game anyway or the last preseason game and so all you're doing is limiting opportunities for the bottom 40 guys on the roster not a really big fan of that at all. The NFL has committed $250 million over 10 years to combat systemic racism, which I think is awesome. Any money is awesome. Now, I've seen people already come out and say, well, that's really only $800,000 per team per year, and I that bothers me because... It it goes back to what I've said before, which is the NFL is not perfect. Far, far from it. And I've been critical for a lot of reasons over the years, and you guys know that. But this is the thing that bothers me. And Andrew and I talked about it last week a little bit, about even if, the, if a team did sign Colin Kaepernick. It would be, oh, too little, too late. Oh, now we see what you're doing. Sort of the same thing with this, I mean, $250 million and people jump all over themselves to to be critical and say, well, it's really not that much money. You know what it is? It's $250 million. That's what it is. Over 10 years. I don't care how many different teams there are. It's a lot of money for a good cause. So why not every once in a while just giving some praise where it's due as opposed to seemingly always criticizing everything. Here's what I would say, for any of these situations, but if you criticize everything the NFL ever does, then it clouds the judgment for people that want to know what really is poor and what really isn't. This is a nice gesture by them. I mean, I don't know, what what would be the number that would have made people happier? 500 million? A billion? I, I don't know what it is, but... I'm certainly not going to be critical of them for
1: it.
0: The other news we can talk about, there's some player news. The Ravens cut linebacker Jake Ryan, who they had signed earlier this offseason. Former Packers linebacker last year was with the Jaguars. It's kind of funny when a guy gets cut uh, around this time of year because, what does that mean? He was bad on the Zoom calls? Did he, did he not show up for some of the Zoom conference calls? I, I don't know. Like I got... What did he do to deserve getting released right now? The Steelers' Mike Hilton signed his second-round tender, still hoping to get a long-term contract. And the Panthers took down the statue of founder Jerry Richardson, which I think is really intriguing because evidently, you know, David Tepper, the owner, had said that they actually had to keep the statue up contractually obligated but I guess they found some loophole of something like public safety and boom they've gone ahead and they've been able to find a loophole to be able to take down a statue I don't think they wanted there in the first place wow that was a quick week here on the Ross Tucker football podcast if you didn't check out Graham Barfield on yesterday's Fantasy Feast podcast, you really need to. Even if you're not a big fantasy football guy, he has this yards-created metric, which was and is excellent. You should listen to yesterday's Fantasy Feast podcast because he talks about all of the rookie running backs entering the NFL this year and how many yards they created per attempt in college. It's really, I mean, he watches every snap. Of every game. To get the metric. I mean he's got the sickness. He's got the disease. We don't talk about that enough anymore. The sickness and the disease. But he's got it. I love people that have it. Make sure you check out. Graham Barfield. On. Yesterday's Fantasy Feast. Podcast. When you get a chance. Other than that. Shout outs to Pizza Boy Brewing. And my guy Justin. DynastyFreaks.com. What an awesome website for those of you that are into Dynasty Football. Make sure Dynasty Fantasy Football. Make sure you check it out. Other than that, though, I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Fantasy Feasts, Even Money, Business of Sports, and College Draft.
1: All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.